Praise the Lord. If you're thankful this morning for the love of God, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So grateful for just his presence this morning and for the way that he's already speaking to us. And I trust this morning that as we share together that the Holy Spirit will continue to speak and that you'll keep your hearts open to him today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, we were there last week. We're going to be back there this week to continue in our sermon series entitled Mission Possible. Over the past few weeks, we um, have looked at some of the parts of our Christian life that God calls us to that often we look at and say, there is just no way I can live like that. And to be honest, we may not say it verbally, but inside we think, I just don't see any way possible for me to live out the calling of Christ on my life. And, and, and I remind you today that in and of ourselves, it is impossible, but with God this morning, all things are possible. All things are possible with God's help through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so we continue on this series today being reminded that his mission for our lives, it's possible. And uh, to continue that, I want us to uh, be reminded of his mission, if you choose to accept it, that we started with last week is to live obediently. And we talked about from Ephesians chapter 4 that that Paul is writing this letter uh, to the followers of Jesus in Ephesus. And he reminds them that they are called to live differently than the world around them, that they're called to put off the old way of doing things and to truly reflect Christ, to be Christ ambassador to the world around them. And while painting this picture of what that's supposed to look like, Paul shared these words, and I want us just to review last week. Verse 29 of Ephesians chapter 4 said this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption last week we talked about that in order to live obediently to the calling of Christ upon our life that we have to first of all talk carefully that we don't want to tear others down but we want to build them up we want to speak life into their lives and we want to listen closely first and foremost to the voice of the Holy Spirit if you've strived to live that way this week say amen and if and if it's been tough at times say amen one more but if you've sensed God's help through the power of his Holy Spirit, say amen. amen. Aren't you thankful today for that? You see, he makes living out what he commands in our lives possible. It's possible through his Holy Spirit. So I want us to continue looking at the call of God upon our lives to live obediently today. There's more to the mission, and it's possible. Let's look together right on there, beginning with verse 31. He goes on to share these words. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you this morning for your mission, your calling upon our lives to live differently. And we pray, Lord Jesus, today that as we break down these couple of verses this morning, that you would enable us, continue to enable, enable us through your spirit to live obediently today. In Jesus' name, amen. Then the next thing that we do, uh, talk carefully, listen closely from last week, this week, the next thing that we do in order to live obediently is to release fully, to release 
fully. Look at verse 31. Get rid of. Release fully. Get rid of. All bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. We talked last week about, about, uh, about talking carefully, words of life, encouragement, healing. And part of the reason, catch this, part of the reason that we struggle with talking carefully and sharing words that give life and, to- and, 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 and don't tear down is because we hold on to some things that we need to let go of. You see, when we hold on to things that can cause us to talk differently than if we've released them to God and really fully surrendered them to him, if you understand that this morning, say amen. You see, these wounds in our life, if they're not surrendered, can cause us to react in ways that don't reflect Christ at all. Paul realized that, and he gives us some direction here that really is to all Christians, right? And, and, he's, and he's direct. He, he doesn't beat around the bush. He says, get rid of these things. Get rid of all of these things. Don't keep them around, because if you keep them around and hold on to them, right? Hold on to them. Sometimes we hold on to things just in case we need it. You understand what I'm saying? We hold on to it just in case we might need it down the road, right? He's saying get rid of all that because if you hold on to it, it can start a fire that will consume you. I don't know if you heard or not, and if you have a 2014 or 15 Impala or a 2013 to 2015 Cadillac STS, then this is your warning today, all right? Don't get nervous. If your heart just started beating, don't get nervous, too nervous. There's been a recall on your vehicle. Here's the reason for the recall. So when the parking brake, the emergency brake, when it's engaged and then later released, the emergency brake doesn't always release fully. Doesn't always release fully. And so it can, it can continue to, to be on just a little bit. In fact, in fact, just a little bit. You may not even notice that it's still engaged, so you're able to drive. But as you drive, because that parking brake is still engaged, it causes friction. And as that friction builds up and builds up and builds up, it can actually cause your car to catch on fire. So yeah, maybe you should worry a little bit, right, if you have one of those vehicles. Can I just remind you the same thing can happen to us in life. We're hurt in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes it's intentional. Other times things can offend us that are completely innocent on behalf of the other person. In fact, sometimes they they don't even have any idea that they've hurt us. But when we hold on to these things, even just a little bit, the things that happen to us, when we hold on to them even a little bit, it begins to produce friction in our life. And if we allow that to continue to be there and produce friction day after day after day, can I just tell you that it can start a fire, it will start a fire eventually that will consume us. Paul is asking here in this passage that we return to our manufacturer. Aren't you glad that we can return to God? He can can recall us when these things happen. He can recall us. We can come back before him and through the help and power of his Holy Spirit, he can enable us through his power to forgive, to let go, to release these things fully to him. If you're glad for that, say amen. He can do that in our lives today. So what are the things that we need to get rid of? What are the things that we need to let go of? There's a progression here I want you to see, okay? The first, it starts out with bitterness, Something that happens to us, that wounds us, that's difficult for us to take, difficult to bear. One author describes it like this, listen. Bitterness normally starts out small. An offense burrows its way into our hearts. 
We replay it in our minds, creating deep ruts that will be hard to fill back in. We retell our hurts to anyone who, who's available to listen, including each and every detail. We enlist support, pushing us further into our bitterness and resentment. We hear the offending person's name, and we cringe. We decipher the, intent, the, the offense as intentional and our offender as full of spite. We look for other reasons, both real and imagined, to dislike our villain. And with each new piece of information, we form another layer and another layer and another layer of bitterness. I thought that was pretty well described there. I want you to take a moment this morning and look within. Are there bitter situations that have had, are there situations in your life that have caused you to become bitter that you're holding on to? Are there, any pe- are there any people that when their name comes up, your blood pressure goes up? You get it, right? Bitterness, if that's the case, I just have to tell you, bitterness is taking hold in your life. In the 1940s and 50s and 60s, large manufacturing companies thought they could just, um, the, the, the industrial waste that was coming from these factories as they were running full speed ahead, uh, many of them thought they could just bury this waste and, and think that eventually this waste would go away. But we've since learned that it doesn't just go away. It makes trouble. It leaks into water. It, it uh, contaminates crops. It, it kills animals. The list goes on and on. We've all heard stories about this, and we've heard stories about the billions and billions of dollars that have been spent since then to try to, to, try to clean all of this up. I have to remind you today that when we try to bury the offenses in our hearts, when we, try to, when we try to cover them up within our lives, when we hold onto them and just bury them deep, that it does the same thing. It doesn't go away. Time does not heal at all. Buried pain leaks into our emotional system and, and wreaks havoc there. It distorts the perception of life. It comes out in, it comes out in other relationships that aren't, even, that aren't even the relationships where the wound originally occurred. It leaks all throughout all of these things because we try to bury it instead of doing what we're commanded to do, and that is what? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Surrender it to God. Release it fully. Don't let friction turn into a fire. And notice the progression, okay? I told you there's a progression here. Notice the progression. When we hold on to these things, bitterness can can turn into rage and anger. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. And anger, bitterness will eventually turn into heated anger that boils within us. Another term used here in other translations of Scripture is wrath. All right? You can see it building. It goes from bitterness to anger to hatred and wrath, right? When we hear of that person or situation, an angry passion ensues within us, and we're looking for ways, beginning to look for ways to get even. To get even. That's what we begin to look for. And then it moves from anger and rage to brawling. Now, when you hear this word brawling, probably if you're like me, I don't know, maybe you're not, which is probably a good thing, right? But if you're like me, the first thing that I can think about is like a a fight, right? This is what comes to mind when I think of brawling. Sorry, Ronnie, he's a Yankees fan, but I'm a Red Sox fan, so I chose them both this morning. This is what I think about when I think about brawling, right? A a fight that breaks out kind of like this and everybody's involved, right? Clear the benches kind of thing. But that's that's not what this word means exactly. It's not a physical brawl. Here's what it means. It means crying out with harsh words. It's the idea of getting other people worked up. 
getting other people worked up. In other words, bitterness turns to anger and rage, and then we begin to, to go around to other people, and we try to get them all worked up and get them on our side, and then there's this big group of people who's right along with us out to get the person who's wounded us. That's what this idea of brawling is. Do you see the progression here? Okay, I hope you do. See the progression? Can't fall into that temptation. We can't light a fire under other people. So I've shared with you before, when we've been hurt, we don't go to everybody else. We go where? We talked about it last week. We go to God. We tell him. Because when we go to others, it progresses on to slander. Injurious speech to another's good name. We talked about this a little, a little bit last week when we walk away for a conversation and the people who, who, are, who are leaving behind think less of the person instead of the more of the person. That's this same idea here of slander, speech. Now remember, like it occurred to me this week, remember where our words come from. Jesus tells us, Matthew 12, 34, the overflow, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Here's how the Amplified Bible says it. For out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Another version says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So you see, this is moved from a surface issue in our life. This is moved from something that's happened to us to something that has burrowed its way all the way down into the very depths of our heart. And all of a sudden now, what's coming out of our heart begins to come out of our mouth. Do you see the progression here? I mean, this is a serious issue. This is a heart issue. We've moved from seeking to forgive to seeking revenge, and we're, and we're willing to say anything, we're willing to say anything to right the wrong in our mind, to make the other person suffer. But it doesn't stop there. If we go on and we continue to hold on, we move not just to saying anything to hurt them, but we move to doing anything to hurt them. It moves from what's taking place inside of us and the things that we can say to begin to do things to hurt them. This idea of malice, it's the idea that, that to, to desire to injure. Wickedness that is not, catch this, wickedness that is not ashamed to break laws. That's what it means. That's what this word malice means. God's laws or man's laws. Not, not ashamed to do that. Seeking revenge at all costs. I will get even. I will find a way to get even. Right? See the progression? See the progression through this? Maybe you heard on the news this week, a former Indianapolis woman ambushed and killed her husband's mistress on Monday um, before shooting herself at the woman's Pennsylvania home. You say, I could never do that. I would never allow myself to go that far. I want you to, I, I put their pictures up here for one reason. This is the woman who was attacked and her attacker. I put them up here for one reason. If I didn't tell you that story, I want you to think about what you think about these two ladies. Is it not the farthest thing from your mind? If I would have shown their picture first and then said, let me tell you a story, you would have never, ever, ever written a story like I just told you. If that's true, just shake your head at me, right? It's true. You would never think that. 
I want you to hear a little bit about them. Both are successful businesswomen by the world's standards. College graduates, one worked in marketing, the other ran for political office recently and was an assistant dean or assistant vice president at Villanova University. Both in high standing in the community, lived in a nice part of town, could have lived next door to any one of us. Here's why I share this story with you. Because when we get to this end progression of what can happen when we hold on to bitterness, we think, I would never do that. Can I just tell you that I've come to this conclusion this week? I may be wrong, but I think I'm right. If we were to rewind the clock three months and I would invite this woman to come and be with us today, she would say, there is no way in the world I would ever do anything like that. And the reason I bring it before you today is because I think Paul is trying to remind us of some things here. He's trying to remind us that we don't know just how far, once we start down this slippery slope, just how far we can go. When bitterness turns into rage and anger and it begins to well up within us, we begin to get other people on our side and then we begin to slander the name and then, we're, and then that still doesn't work so we move on to the next step and we take it into our own hands. We're gonna get even, I don't care what it takes. And can I remind you today Paul wasn't writing this letter to a bunch of people in prison. Paul was writing this letter to who? He was writing it to the church. He was saying, listen up, church. Don't let the enemy get a foothold. In fact, if you rewind up in, in Ephesians 4, he says those exact words. And he's explaining what that looks like to us. Live obediently. Release the things that happen to you so that you can, that, that cause these outcomes so that you can continue to live out your life for Jesus Christ the way that we should. I wonder this morning, right now, are there anything, is there anything that's crept into your heart recently that's begun to cause bitterness in your heart? Is there something that happened way back there and you'd never admit it to anybody in this room this morning, but the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart, and he knows. Is there anything that's happened back there that's moved along this progression a lot farther than you would admit to anyone? Are there situations in your life that have developed and gotten out of control, and you know it this morning? We need to release these things. We need to release the things that happened to us, but can I tell you this? We also need to release the things that happen to our kids and our grandkids and our friends and our coworkers and people we love and our neighbors that we've watched. Problems happen to them. We've got to release all of it, folks. When we hang on to these things, here's what we're saying. God, I don't trust you to work. God, I don't trust you to work. I, I don't trust you to make the wrongs right in my life. I, I don't trust you. It really is a matter of trust. We need to let go of these, what we at times think are legitimate ways to respond. It's not impossible this morning. See, because we're back at that again, you know. Lord, but, but, but Pastor, you don't know. You're right. You don't know what's been done. You don't know what's been said. You're right. You're right. Paul didn't know. Can I tell you who knows? Can I tell you who inspired these words? Can I tell you who's able to give you the power and the strength and the ability to let go of it? 
But see, we have to open our heart to him and say, God, I, I don't know how, I don't see it, I don't know how this all works, but this I do know, you're able to do the work. I trust you, I ask for your help. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, he can help us to release these things fully. And, and as a result, we can respond as we should. Here's how we should. We need to connect graciously. Look at verse 32. He paints this beautiful picture. He says, get rid of all these things. Slay them down. And then here's what you do. Here's how you live it out. Are you ready? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. You know, I don't know about you, but you list all those other things, and man, it just, it's so heavy, right? And then you hear these words. Instead, you know, it almost should be an instead there. Instead of living like this, we're called to live like this. Instead, be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Think about it this morning. The very verse that follows the one that tells us to get rid of Get rid of these things that cause us to live in bondage. The very next verse is the very, is the very verse that said, but here are the things that can bring you freedom. These are the things that can set you free from the bondage of all of this other stuff that seems to weigh you down. And I want us to see, look very quickly this morning at these things, right? Here's the contrast, be kind. This word kind, we think about kind, mild, pleasant, right? But this word, this word, it's a, it's a little bit more than that. This word kind has the, has the idea of a, of a mild heart, a pleasant heart, but it goes one step per, further. It's a heart that's fit for God's use. In other words, it's saying be a heart that is fit for God to use to make a difference in the lives of others. You see, when, we have, when we're holding on to the bitterness, the anger, the rage, the slander, the malice, we're not fit for God to use us. You realize that. We're so consumed by all of those things that, that God can't even get a word in edgewise a lot of times when we're, when we're so caught up in that. And he's saying, be kind, be fit for God to use. When we're not fit for God to use and consumed by that, we miss out on God's plan for us throughout the day, moment by moment, hour by hour. When we're fit for God to use us and we have laid all of those things down, all of a sudden God begins to work in our hearts and lives in brand new ways, and he begins to work in us powerfully. Why? Because we're fit for use. Because we've gotten rid of the things that's going to hold us back. Get rid of these things. Connect graciously. Be fit for use. And then he goes on, not only kind, but compassionate. We know what compassion is, right? Tenderhearted, sympathetic, pitiful. Not like pitiful, but full of pity for others, right? Full of pity. And the truth is, whether we will admit it or not, that if we've been wounded, if we've been hurt, stay with me, we only know what we know about that circumstance. If we've been hurt, we only know what we know. Now what I mean by that is, we don't know the whole story. We know our perception of the story, we know our perception of the wound, but we don't know the whole story. If you're tracking with me, say amen. Don't know the whole story. We normally paint the other person out to be as bad as we can. They are the villain, we're the victim. The reality is we don't know the whole story. We don't know what the other person has gone through. This may be led up to this point of conflict. 
And I'm learning a lot these days. As I have the privilege of raising foster kids, they've been hurt. And their hurt causes them sometimes to hurt other people. Their hurt sometimes causes them to hurt me. Now I can take offense to that, or I can have compassion and realize there's a whole lot more going on than just that bad response in their life. Years of pain and hurt can come out in a moment. I can take it personal or I can have compassion and I can realize that deep down they need the help of Jesus too. And if I get bitter and I cut ties, here's the reality. It cuts the flow of Jesus off to their life. Which, by the way, is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Or I can choose to offer compassion and grace I can choose to keep connecting with them. You know, this is true for kids, and you say, come on, pastor, suck it up a little bit. These are little kids. If you're a parent, just think about how you feel when you're a kid, right? And the reality is this. It's not just about the age here. The reality is it's the same for adults, too. We don't know what, the, what they've been through. We don't know the hurt and the pain they bring into that situation. We don't understand all that's taking place. So what if, what if, it, just for a moment, what if we could be just a little more compassionate? What if we could just take a step back and see, Lord, Lord, help me to be fit for you. Pour your compassion and your love into me in such a way that, that when I'm tempted to be offended, that I'm reminded by your Holy Spirit, you know what, I really don't know all that they're facing and going through. I don't know the pressures and for a lot of us, it could be people who don't even know Jesus that are hurting us. And if we cut off those relationships completely, I'm not saying there's not times for boundaries. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. What I am saying is this. When we cut off that relationship completely, we believe with all our heart that Jesus Christ, we're a conduit for the Holy Spirit of God every place we go, every single one, every single Christian here today, if you believe that, say amen. We're a conduit for Jesus Christ to work. We cut off that relationship. We cut off the flow of Jesus into those lives. We need to be kind. We need to be compassionate, gracious. Is it easy? Absolutely not. I'm learning. I'm telling you, I am learning in new ways. But I'm convinced it's possible. Be kind. Be compassionate. Paul goes on to say, then forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgive. What's it mean? Show grace. To pardon. To give graciously. Give freely. Graciously. I love this. Graciously restore one another. Gracious, give grace and bring restoration to the relationship. One author said, forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Let that sink in a minute. This one I just throw in because I think it's good. Apologizing doesn't always mean that you're wrong and the other person is right. It just means that you value, value your relationship more than your ego. That one needs to be on our refrigerators. What if they don't forgive me? Forgive. What if they hurt me again? I think Jesus said, forgive. And forgive. 
and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Pastor, it's impossible to live like this. Nothing is impossible with God. He's bigger, he's more powerful than we can ever imagine. He's bigger than our wounds, he's bigger than our sorrows. He's more than able to restore things that others have tried to tear down and tear down and tear down. The world tells us to hate and hold a grudge and write people off. They tell us to shun and be done, but Christians are called to walk in every relationship different from the world. We're called to do everything that we do with the heart and the love of Jesus Christ. We're called to live differently. Our God is too big, our God is too strong, and God is too powerful for us not to forgive others. Just as in Christ God forgave you, C.S. Lewis wrote, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, I have the privilege of uh, singing the worship songs that Pastor Nathan picks out, knowing, having full knowledge of what I'm going to preach. And you don't have that benefit so much. But this morning we sang these words. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Aren't you thankful for the love of Christ for you today? We're to forgive just as, it, just as in Christ God forgave us. Think about how much God loves you and how much God has forgiven you. I mean, we cannot begin to wrap our minds around how much God loves us today. He has never written you off. You're his child today. He loves you with a love that cannot be comprehended, a love that's unfailing, a love that's unlimited. And because he loves you so much, he forgives you. So could it be this morning that we don't have a forgiveness problem? Could it be we have a love problem? Could it be today that we need to come before the Lord Jesus Christ and open our hearts to his Holy Spirit and say, God, would you pour your love into my heart so that I can't help but love other people the way you love me? You see, if we have his love, he forgives, right? He's forgiven you and forgiven you. You've tripped, you've fallen, he's forgiven you. He's extended his love to you. That's exactly how he calls us to forgive. And the way we do it is to open our hearts and say, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and produce your fruit in my life? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Oh God, would you enlarge the capacity of my heart to love others the way that you have loved me? Because when we begin to love that way, we can't help but forgive. Because we trust God to take care of it. But Pastor, they, I understand they've hurt you. I've understa I understand they've wounded you. I've been wounded. But I'm also thankful for a God that loves me so much. And the reality is, according to Matthew chapter 18, if I hold an offense against my brother, I won't stand before Jesus. I'll stand before him to be judged. 
We need God's help. We may not talk about it a lot, but I believe we struggle with it a lot because we try to take care of it. And God's reminding us today in order to live obediently, we have to allow him to work in our life. We have to release fully and we have to connect graciously. And here's what that means. That means we need to reconnect in some areas that we've disconnected. Some relationships that we've written off, that we draw the line. We need to pray. We need to turn those things over. We need to let God do a, a change of heart in our lives. And then we need to be obedient to what he calls us to after that. I believe with all my heart that it's possible. With man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. He calls us to this, but we don't go alone. We go with his help through the power of his Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I felt very directed last week and this week to, in, to, to close this portion of our service this way. And Lord, I feel like you've directed me in that. And the reason is, is because if we are not struggling currently in any of these areas, that the enemy of our soul will soon tempt us. These are the ways that he tries to trip us up. And so I close with everyone with their head bowed and joining me in this prayer because I feel like that we come before you on even ground today. We need your help. And Lord, right now your spirit has spoken across this great congregation in different ways, and you've spoken to my heart. And Lord, my prayer is today that your Holy Spirit would begin a fresh work within us. If there are things in our life that we need to get rid of today, things that your spirit checked us on, that your spirit has convicted us of this morning, my prayer is that right now we would, we would get rid of those things with your help, that we would lay them at your feet, at the foot of the cross, we'd lay them down there, the, the people in our life that have hurt us, I pray that we'd put them before you, Lord Jesus, today. I pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to forgive completely. Lord, you forgive us never to remember again. It's, it's the, sway, the slate is wiped clean. I pray you'd help us to do that. We can't do it on our own, but you can do it through the power of your spirit. We believe that today. So, Lord, help us to forgive. I pray that, that your peace would flow into our hearts. Lord, there's areas of our hearts this morning that have been so filled with bitterness and anger and, and on and on and on that peace has not dwelt, dwelt there for a while. I pray that as that's removed, that your peace would fill that spot of our heart today and that we would physically feel different because of the work that you're doing in us. I pray for that this morning. I pray, Jesus, that you'd help us to know through the power of your spirit, giving us wisdom and understanding how to connect graciously in these relationships. I pray that you'd pour your love into us, that we would feel differently about people because of your love, not because of anything they've done, not because they've asked for it, but only because your love fills our hearts today in fresh ways. So Lord, let your love be poured into us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Anything in us that is not like you, would you take it away today, Jesus? Would you help all of us to seek that? And would you pour your Spirit into our lives afresh? Enable us to do the impossible. What the world would say is impossible, you call us to. And you call us to because with you there's nothing too hard. So do the work in our lives today, I pray. 
We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing right now, and we pray that you would help us to, 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 to walk forward living obediently and knowing today that you truly are a God who saves and calls and sanctifies and works in our life for your glory. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said,